All right, here we are. This is APN Spence. We're two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general on this rainy Friday afternoon. How are you doing today, AP? Doing pretty good. Doing good. I know it was sunny all week, and then now Oregon has kind of shifted to kind of a rainier weekend. You know, one thing you always say is this is liquid sunshine, right? It's liquid sunshine. You, I, I, Well, what I do is I tell my daughter when she wants juice, I say, I'll give you cloud juice. And that's water. That's good. But that's she good. loves it. when I just call it juice. It's all about psychology. When you think this is liquid sunshine, you think it's sunny outside. It makes me It makes me smile. Yeah. It's been so beautiful, though, this last week. It was nice after a cold, yeah. cold, a lot of snow and rain and ice around here. It was nice having a really nice week. A little bit bummed by the rain, but, you know, you just, you just roll with it. You roll with the gray, you know, and I think we're going to have this for a little bit. It's early March, you know. You know, spring's coming, though, Spence. We're just a matter of weeks. Spring, spring is going to... Spring will sprung. Yeah. Okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Vaccines um, are going into arms. That's right. Right. You're all vaccinated now. Yeah, exactly. And and they said over a million shots in the state of Oregon have been million people. A million vaccinations. So that might not be actually a million people, but a mil over a million vaccinations wow. have happened in the state of Oregon. Wow. So we're talking something like 18%, 20% of the population. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're hopefully just everybody just keeps getting vaccinated and this thing goes away and we're able to get back to some normalcy. I know, yeah. I know my boys had uh, baseball tryouts this last Saturday. How'd it go? That we'll see. I think they both did great. And then, um, and then, you know, my little girl might be playing uh, soccer here in the oh. spring. So that's kind of exciting. Absolutely. I know yeah. she's being scouted right now by USC. That's right. Yeah. Seven, she's seven years old, but yeah, yeah USC was at her last practice last year. So. <laughs> Giving her some cash, that's right? right? That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of things. Yeah, there, for sure. It's, it's been a little quiet. I think there's a lot of focus on March Madness right now, yeah. right? Everyone's yeah. getting ready for that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's going forward. Yes. You know, that is going to happen. The tourney. The tourney is happening. And, and we went over, we've gone over some of the, you know, some of the rules, regulations about when teams have to make sure that they're available. And conference tournaments are happening right now, um, you know, and they're, and they're going to be happening over the next two weeks. And then March Madness starts two weeks from today. Friday is the first the first round games of, of March Madness, two it's, weeks from today. Yeah, it's it's a few weeks. So you had all the computers around the country and people working in offices are going to be watching that, man. They're going to have it. They're going to, they're going to be working and they're going to slide into that. What's the score there? What's going on? Let me get my laptop. Let me get my iPad. Right, Spence? That's right. I just take that day off. That's what I do. Take it off yeah, because because yeah. it's not going to be productive. No, I'm, I'm going to be distracted. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about let's talk about a basketball program. So now Georgia Tech. Now we, we've gone over this. This is something that we've chatted about. Uh, Georgia Tech got dinged with some pretty significant uh, basketball recruiting violation, level one violations uh, related to an assistant coach who went rogue a little bit, who, yep. who, who did some things. You know, with some former players that was well beyond what he should have done, uh, got some benefits, took some players to some strip clubs, you know, some recruits to some strip clubs, did some things that he shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And Georgia Tech got dinged pretty good. Well, yep. Georgia Tech appealed that decision. And guess what? The NCAA overturned their decision. And it's now back to the committee where they're going mm -hmm. to reduce the penalties. So we don't know what the penalties are going to be, but the penalties initially were loss of scholarships, loss of recruiting. I mean, some some uh, financial ban, uh, three year show cause for this for this uh, uh, assistant coach. You know, some pretty significant stiff penalties. Those are all now taken away. So, you know, I know this has happened, but to walk us through AP, what what happens here? A, stu a school gets penalized. How do what happens next? How do they appeal it? 
Yeah, well, you know, much like you might appeal uh, like a hearing result or trial result, it, but it rarely gets overturned. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, that, this rarely happens. Usually it's not successful. Uh, my understanding is that the coach is still going to have a lot of things pinned on him individually. Right. But I think the school probably did a, you know, a good job, but they probably hired some outside counsel that helped them out and helped them navigate of like, let's separate this. This isn't Georgia Tech doing structural things wrong. This is some bad actor coach that just was doing stupid stuff. Why are we going to punish the school and the kids for coaches acting bad? Let's punish just the coach. Right. And the NCAA is starting to see that a little bit more. Back when the USC case happened, you know, they really crushed USC. Um, I always say this, the second worst sanction since the death penalty of the Pony Express, SMU, really for Reggie Bush and his family going rogue. But I think what happened there is it was a student athlete and it was benefits from an agent. It just went right to the heart. Here, this is, I don't know, it's it's just a messy, weird coach doing some inappropriate things. And I think the NCAA was able to see a little distinction there. And now this isn't to say they're going to get off scot-free. That's not going to happen. They'll have some penalties. Yeah, it seems like from the articles that I've read about this is that the Georgia Tech's still going to have some penalties, but they're likely going to take away the scholarship reductions. Yeah. They're likely going to, you know, probably have some financial uh, impositions against them. But yeah, but and maybe some recruiting issues. But but I think it seems like the the big one, which is the scholarship crunch, yeah. that one hurts them the most in a basketball program because you only have what thirteen. Uh, 13 scholarships you take one of those away that's a big deal yeah a really big deal can hurt the program and and it really didn't go to the heart of like paying for recruits that wasn't really what's going on here it was like just some impermissible activity really um and so i think they looked at that and thought is this going to the heart of a problem and let's tailor the response to what they actually did i think i think it's a decent decision because the NCAA also they got to get away from this where in the past some schools are starting to say i shouldn't self report because I'm going to get just crushed. So maybe if you do self-report and you appeal and you can actually tailor some of your your uh, um, problems that you've had, I think that's going to encourage people to appeal more, appeal more targeted and report things a little bit more. Yeah, they used outside counsel, which is really smart. And we, 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 yeah. we often recommend that that's something that student uh, or that that schools should do is hire out someone outside counsel someone who's interested who knows the l- rules knows the regulations knows how to deal with the nca and and then and then they they're able to you know effectively communicate and reduce these penalties yeah i mean all the major schools hire outside outside counsel it's a billion dollar industry um there's a lot at stake i mean because look they had success here if these hadn't been overturned you could be looking at millions in lost revenue so it's worth spending you know, a million dollars with some outside counsel if you saved yourself $6 million. That's right. Right? That's right. Well, okay. So now let's move on to another thing, another topic that we, this is something that we've been covering. In the last couple of weeks, we we went over the NCA arguments. Now, this is the uh, Supreme Court case that's between West Virginia. It's a class action lawsuit filed by West Virginia, former West Virginia running backs and some other uh, <laughs> former um, uh, college football players against the NCA. A couple of weeks ago, we went over the NCA's arguments, which basically was saying, you know, if you allow this to happen, uh, that this will cut to the heart of the mm-hmm. amateurism. And we yeah. kind of talked about that a little yeah. bit. Well, now we have the running back or the, uh, the the student athletes arguments that have been submitted to the Supreme Court. And we have those arguments now. And, you know, when I'm going over this stuff, it's really interesting. And, and one of the things that I'm going to highlight a couple of things that I'd love to hear your thoughts, AP, on this. The first thing is, is that um, 
there are there there are attorneys argue, and I'll just read this. Because NCA rules prevent colleges from directly paying the recruits they seek to enroll, colleges spend that money on other people, services, and facilities they believe will attract recruits. Recipients include a prominent coach, the extravagant stadium, the state-of-the-art training center, and so on. And and one thing that they brought up in this in 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 the in these arguments was that we didn't know this, but there were there have been eight amicus briefs that have been filed by other states in support of the NCA arguments. Uh, an amicus brief is basically a, a supportive brief, right? That is a supportive argument for whatever that position is. So eight states submitted su- submitted amicus briefs in support of the NCA, and the West Virginia. Uh, Football attorneys point out that six of those eight states, the highest paid public employee is is either a college football or basketball coach. So they say, look, if you're spending all this money on all this other stuff on Mm -hmm. this, you know, uh, the the huge stadium, the best coaches, you know, why not shift some of that money to the student athletes? What do you think about that argument? Yeah, you know. What we're having here is sort of a battle of capitalism, I see it, at the collegiate level, right? Because here's the deal. you got a $9 million coach. Harbaugh's in that range. Nick Saban's in that range. A lot of coaches make five, six, seven. And people hear those numbers and they kind of gloss over it. But a $9 million salary, that's just your salary from coaching. Now, you can also get endorsements. You can also get commercials, and Nick Saban gets those. So you might add a couple more million bucks. Yeah, but Nick Saban is a public – works at a public school, and he gets paid $9 million a year. Yeah, so that's that's a paycheck. If he got paid – so divided by 24, $9 million divided by 24. So if he got paid every two weeks, he would get $750,000 a check. So times two, if you're getting paid monthly, $1.5 million, right? That's a nice little paycheck. So so pretty good paychecks. Um, now, if you think about right, because I mean, imagine that going into your account every like 30 days or something. That, that's a lot of money, yeah. right? Um, maybe a million, maybe just a little under. Maybe it's 800000 It's right in there. But it's a chunk of money. So so yes, they're, they're highly paid. But these are also celebrities that also drive – they're like CEOs of companies. Here's the thing, like when I was at USC, USC generates like $52 million in revenue per from year. From their athletic fr- From football. Yeah. Yeah, and then football would pay all for all the other sports. Women's lacrosse, women's soccer, women's basketball. They would pay coaches' salaries, travel, hotel, all of it from that $52 million that they profited after paying coaches' salaries, after paying everything. Now that now $52 million gets – spread out and like 30 million of it goes to pay for all these other sports. Then there's still like 12 or $15 million left that goes to the school and different things. Right. Most big time um, renovations are raised money. Look at research stadium. That was an outside sponsor and a donor. Yeah. One, one donor, one rich donor. Uh, USC raised a lot of their capital from boosters and donors. So it wasn't like the school was just, putting on their credit card. They're right. raising it from outside sources. That happens a lot of times. So there is, there's this, I was on the one side where, you know, there's this perception that the NCA is making a ton of money and that schools are making a ton of money and the kids are poor, but they, they forget how expensive it is to put on the show. For example, if you have a truck driver that says I make $400,000 a year, 
But then you break it down, but it takes me $350,000 to gas my truck, insure my truck, drive, pay for parts. And I'm only profiting $50,000. That, that kind of idea happens at universities a lot. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, new facilities that are not paid for yet. And they're waiting for boosters to chime in. And so they're not as wealthy as it seems. The NCAA is the same way. They give away a lot of their things with scholarships. They're giving away the, the March Madness money this year. Um, so there's this, that isn't as actually true, right? So that, that's one thing I want to kind of get out there that people aren't, these big rich facilities aren't coming from major money that they're getting Two, football and basketball are paying for all the other sports. It's not like they just get to keep that money. Right. So it helps title nine and that sort of thing. Kids, I'd have an 18 year old kid that would come to my office to pick up a stipend check. He would get like a $1,400 a month after taxes, a check for his spending then he gets housing for free and he's decked out in the clothes and he's riding a scooter that, that's free. And then he's going to get steaks and lobster in the, I mean, literally steak and lobster and different things. So what I'm trying to say is these kids were, were taken care of, right? They're, they're traveling, they're traveling on planes, they're wearing the gear, they got the slippers, they got the travel, they, they got a free scholarship, free housing, food, stipend. These are not people that are starving. I know they've been represented. There are some walk-ons that might have that situation, right? But they're walking, they're choosing to do it. But the scholarship kids are taken care of, especially in the major sports, full scholarship, pretty well. Now, from that perspective, I would make the argument of this, right? You look at a nice big building, like in downtown Portland, you got a bunch of claims adjusters sitting inside that. They're sitting in a billion dollar glass building, nice floor. And the claims adjusters are the ones with the doing the grind, doing the work, right? And they're they're paid between 30,000 and maybe 80,000 a year. All of them. Not big money. They're not getting a share. They're not getting the profit. The CEOs live, living in Chicago somewhere making $9 million a year and directing them. In a lot of ways, this is the same makeup where you have these, these athletes that are getting something. The ones that become stars can move on and become big time athletes. But the other ones are just doing their shift, working. And then, yeah, the larger entities are, are profiting off that a little bit. If you look at it from that perspective, that's sort of kind of just traditional capitalism, right? That's just one argument of it, right? But the other thing is like, hey, without these athletes, there would be no show, right? And it would right. it would stop. There would be no way to and, and there's that they have that power. But I would argue if all the claims adjusters walked out and nobody everyone refused to be a claims adjuster, how are they gonna do claims? That's right. I don't know. What do you think about that, Spence? Yeah, no, I mean I you know, it, again, I think there's a and we've talked about this, there's a perception that that these NCA sports programs you know are just flush with cash that they're just that these that they uh, you know these high, high paid coaches and these high paid administrators and they're just they're just swimming in cash they're just you know i that's just not i mean there are some coaches who are making a heck of a lot of money and yeah, that's the, true they're the high profile football and basketball coaches right exactly that's it. but but you could argue that if you know assuming you know usc brought in what 59 million in yeah, fifty-two or something 52 like that. Million yeah, dollars in profits, and they paid their coach five million dollars, right? Help make somewhere in that four or five million yep. dollar range. That's that's a pretty good return on investment. If, yeah. if the bulk of your money comes from having a good football program, and you and I know that when you have a program that's struggling, what happens? Revenue goes down, <laughs> attendance goes down. You know the purchase of the of the t-shirts and the jerseys and everything at the bookstores go down mm -hmm. but if you have a good program if you have a good coach and a good program i'd be curious to hear what the total revenue is that's generated at alabama my guess is it's well above 
what Nick Saban is making and probably 10 times what Nick Saban is making. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 80, 90 million dollars. Exactly. So it's so that's a pretty good return on investment. Yeah. If you could hire an employee that that would that would that would, you know, generate you 10 times what you're paying them. That's a good return on investment. Yeah. And you could argue that Nick Saban might be underpaid. Mm-hmm. Now, are there are there, you know, are these kids, these kids are getting benefits, these kids I I still believe and I'm I'm going to all Take this to the grave that I think they should be able to benefit from the name, likes, and image. But that's not what this is about. What this lawsuit is about is student athletes being able to. Well, part of what this lawsuit is about is these student athletes generating and, and getting some of the profits from this, from these, the, all this money that they're making. If you do that, if you give the football and the student and the basketball players profits, you also have to do the same thing for the women's sports and for the other non-revenue generating sports. So are you going to give how do you, so how are you going to how are you going to extrap how are you going to extrapolate that out? Okay, we've got a million dollars that we have to but we have to distribute between 350 student athletes equally. I mean or or however a thousand student athletes, you know what however that would be I, I can't do the math that fast, but that's that's how it would be. Yep. And then and then the student athlete and the football and the basketball players are going to be like, "Well, hey, we're we're generating all this money. We should get a bigger share than this. Then the non-generating student athletes, non-revenue generating student athletes, going to be like, well, no, that's not fair. That's not Title, title IX requires that this is equal. So you're either going to have to do away with Title IX and get that thrown out if you want if you want this to be fair to be equitable. I guess based on what you actually put in, you're going to have to either do away with Title IX, which would then be the end of non-revenue generating sports and women's sports entirely. Mm-hmm. Or you're, you're going to have to allow these kids to make money off their name, like image, which is what they're trying to do. But and we 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 can have that conversation another day. But it just it just it's like it, it, they don't see the bigger picture. That's the big thing. Yeah, and I think a lot of this from the name, image, and likeness rules. They they, they see the tip of the iceberg, and everyone agrees. It, it you want everybody. Nobody wants employees to get less money. You don't want workers to get less money. You don't want student athletes to not get any money. But they are getting some money. It's just, are they getting enough money, right? They get a stipend, they get housing, they get food, they get travel, they get scholarship. That is money. They've valued that at USC to be maybe a million dollars a year. And, and if you counted all the travel, all the food, all the gear, all the scholarship, not, I mean, a million dollars over the life of, of, the, of, one, student of one student athlete is about a million dollars. So they're saying, hey, give us four years of football in exchange for a million dollars. And that's two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, right? But but I think see that's where I think there's a, there's a short sighted view, right? They see okay, well the scholarship money doesn't actually come to me. The scholarship money goes directly to the school. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, the 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 gear that I get, I don't I don't that gear is just given to me. It's just yeah. free, right? right? The 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 food is just given to me, right? They don't they don't. I that's the short sightedness of of not understanding the full extent and full value of what they're of what the student athlete is benefiting from. Yeah, and imagine and then the cool thing about it is the rower, the women's soccer player, the women's tennis player, they also get a full scholarship. Not all of them do. I'm saying because they some of them are equivalency sports where they only get a percentage scholarship, but some get full scholarships and some get partial. But some of them do get full scholarships. Let's say women's basketball, for example, they get a full scholarship. They also get that million dollars for four right. years, and their sport makes zero. They loses money, yeah. and yet the coach can get a nine hundred thousand dollars salary, and the sport's making zero. But that to make Title IX work and to balance everything out, they have to have a couple sports generate the money, the cash cows. 
for everybody else. Now imagine how a law firm would work, Spence. If like everybody had to, to stay there and work there, you had to generate uh, your own salary. Well, how would how would the receptionists generate their own salary? How right. how would the legal secretary? You think well, they can't even settle cases. They can't right. And so women's basketball, there's they're never going to generate money, and so it has to happen with men's and basketball and football to supplement them. And so when they see that cash cow, the people on the outside don't understand all those nuances. How, how do you see this playing out though? Because that's that's the question. You know, <laughs> that's the question for that I keep coming back to is if if this lawsuit or if this ruling continues and they say that student athletes should be able to profit and should be able to make money and should be able to generate get some profits from these student from these schools how's the NCA going to respond i know the NCA can set their rules and schools can participate or not but you have all these schools making you know a lot of money off of these student off these student athletes and off these sports mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, they're obviously, they're paying a lot, but how, how's this going to play out? I mean, like I said, I, I just, I just feel like this is, if this is allowed and continues, you're, this is the death of, of college sports as it, as we know it. It is. They're asking for profit sharing and they're asking to use their name, image, and likeness professionally, like uh, to profit off it. Right. And so you're asking to be a pro. I want to be a professional. I want to get profit sharing and I want to be able to use my name, image, and likeness to make money as a pro might. And I want to be able to get a marketing agent. And so really, yeah, you're arguing, I want to be a pro now. And the whole point of collegiate athletics was that they're amateurs, right? It's like the Olympics. It's, they're, you know, the Olympics aren't, it's the same idea. What percentage of NCAA football players, Division One football players, make it into the NFL? I think I, think I read that it's something like 4 or 3%. Okay. So, see, that's where, that's where I, you know, they, they want to be treated as pros, and they, but but there's there's a huge benefit for these student athletes going to school for free, getting education, getting getting uh, you know graduating from USC with a USC degree and what in any has has some has some prominence, right? Yeah, yeah. Now you know you especially have, in Los Angeles, as, it's you know, in like, Los Angeles or anywhere. Is, yeah, you know you graduate from any Division one school or or any school that gives a scholarship that that benefits you for life. You have a you have a degree and you have job right. connections. They hook you up with connections right. and stuff too, right? So it's a big deal. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I just, I, I just, I, I, I we're just throwing kind of, water on it a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't mean to do that. But, but I think people forget. It's so easy to jump on the train of, yeah, greedy NCA, greedy schools, greedy coaches pay those poor kids. But I've worked inside there, and I've seen these kids. I've been on the flights uh, where we're flying, like literally a jet that that was reserved just for us that picks us up. The bus pulls up. There's steaks. There's lobster, you know, we're, we're going to fancy steakhouses. Everyone's decked out. Everyone's got beats. Cause guess what? They can give beats. Everyone's got Apple watches You know, you got an Apple watch and you got beats and you got AirPods and you got brand, you got 15 pairs of shoes and hoodies and you got iPads. It can give you iPads. You got championship rings. These kids aren't suffering and they don't have to play the sport. Yes. There, we pro- there's probably ways that we could figure out like, Hey, maybe we put in a trust for these. If they graduate from the, the, from school, there's a little small kind of profit sharing sort of thing that we can do. There's things that can probably be worked out, but the idea of let's just cut these guys cash. They might as well just make it pro their employees, but then they got to pay taxes on it and we got to figure it all out. Yeah. You can't just have your cake and eat it too, basically. Yeah. All right. Well, this will be something that we will monitor. You know, obviously this is something that is that is going to be a while before we get a final decision. You know, I, I'm really curious. I probably will probably listen to the arguments when they, the oral arguments when they actually happen. You know, it'll be interesting to see how the justices who, uh, you know, I don't, 
I don't believe that any of the just Supreme Court justices played, uh, you know, college sports. They may have. I don't know. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of questions they ask and how they respond and how the NCA responds and what the ultimate decision is. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting stuff. And uh, we'll learn a lot from it. That's right. All right, here we are. We're going to the phones. Who do we have on the phones today, AP? So we have a friend of the show because he's been around. Yeah, that's right. right. He's, I mean, been, he's been on the show already. Yeah, and they're always considered a friend of the show if they've been on once. You're a friend for life. That's right. You know, and this is Dylan Cannon from Sam Houston State. That's right, in beautiful Huntsville, Texas. Huntsville. Now, I know you know, Spence, what Huntsville's famous for, Huntsville, I, Texas. I don't know what they're famous for. They're famous for, I'm just going to put it out there, probably barbecue, <laughs> right? There's got to be some good barbecue is in Huntsville. It, is that true, Dylan? Is, is Huntsville famous for barbecue? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we're, we're here in Texas, so of course we got good barbecue. Now, how are you guys? It's actually, the biggest, the biggest thing is uh, besides the, the university, it also has uh, a, a gigantic jail. So the jail and the university are the two uh, biggest sources of jobs in Huntsville, for sure. <laughs> you educate them, you incarcerate them, and you feed them steak. You know, Spencer, exactly. I mean, that's all you need to exactly. like. You know, hey, and how, how are you guys doing from this ice storm? I know Texas, it probably didn't hit all parts of Texas, but a lot of Texas got some some power outages and ice and all that fun stuff. Yeah, we uh, they actually had to close down campus for a week because most of uh, Huntsville was without power and water for – for multiple days um you know being I, I grew up in salt lake and we were ready for that every single day in the winter but uh texas is, is not prepared for that a lot of pipes broke and that is the real source of the big, the big problems yeah the you know in oregon we got a little bit of that we got like a once in a generation ice storm that hit all the trees weighed down the trees and then a bunch of trees broke overnight and a bunch of power went out so i know spencer was out without power for yeah, a few days for about a week about a week. about a week you know generators are going you know we i was out of power for about 12 hours and or a day or so but it's uh yeah it's kind of crazy crazy times right now but um we got covid ice storms we got fire spencer there's what, a lot going on but for sure but let's get let's get into we got some stuff to talk about with the show as let's, well let's talk let's talk some happy things yeah, yeah let's talk about sports so dylan you know we know that sam houston state is uh is having a spring football season and so we wanted to yeah. kind of talk to you about, you know, what, I mean, how much work, how much preparation did Sam Houston State have to get into in order to have a football season this year? Oh, yeah, it's, it's been a really unique experience. Um, when I was on the show in June, I remember you all were asking me specifically, do you think we'll play uh, fall football? And I said at that time, no. And I was half correct because the FBS, which is BYU and, and USC uh, and all them, they decided to play fall. But FCS football, with, where uh, Sam Houston State is, decided to play in the spring. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I don't know how much you all uh, heard about that, but it was a very unique situation because the NCAA kept, people kept asking, are, are you going to allow fall sports? And then on August 4th, I was looking at it today, they, they came out and said, we'll leave it up to the conferences, was the headline. The part that they was not in the headline said, oh, by the way, if you decide to play fall sports, football, anything else, you'll have to meet all these COVID protocols, which at that time was you had to test every single kid with the gold standard of COVID testing. 
But additionally, you also had any medical expenses that might be incurred by the student athletes, you had to cover entirely. And, you know, anybody that's been to an ER visit knows that's $25,000 right there, even if they don't do anything. Wow. Um, and so effectively what the NCAA just said was here's the gold standard for making all these health protocols and really only very few people, uh, teams will be able to do it. None of whom would play FCS football essentially. Um, so what, what effectively they did is they said, you know, you're not playing all sports unless you have a ridiculous amount of money. Um, and that's in Houston say we don't have a ridiculous amount of money. So we're about to start all camp football on August 7th, and the NCAA announced three days before, hey, the conferences is up to you, and our, our conference, because of all the COVID protocols, elected not to. Um, the problem is, is we already had volleyball and soccer on campus practicing because their fall camps started before that date. And so you can imagine that that's kind of a, a logistical uh, nightmare to get kids in for fall camp, get them here before the rest of the student body. Um, but fortunately, I don't have to work with the budget. That wasn't really my concern. The bigger thing for us was, so what do we do now? Because um, fall camp for football always has very specific rules, times, you can practice, when you can start popping pads, all that. And now it was, basically do we get to do any of that whatsoever um so it was pretty unique what they ended up doing was essentially uh under most years you have your fall camp getting ready for your first game and then you have spring ball where you get to pop pads for a little while and they effectively flipped those um you know there were some new rules but essentially this year we called it fall ball and spring camp um, so it's been a very unique, uh, especially with the practice stuff, figuring out what we're allowed to do and when. So I, so I know that Sam Houston State is – they're one know. They beat Southeast Louisiana in their first game. I know Eric, AP right. knew that. So were you guys allowed to have fans in the stadium, or was that, was that a uh, – you know, I know Texas is a lot more open than Oregon is, but what was that like? Yeah, so we, funny enough, we were actually supposed to start at a school, a school called uh, Incarnate Word in, in uh, San Antonio. And their pipes first, because uh, they were having issues as well. So we had to postpone that game even. Um, PRSN Houston, we've been doing the Texas up to this point has had 25% capacity. So we've been allowed to have some fans. But I, I don't know if you all have attended a sporting event during the the COVID times, it's been really a unique kind of sombering experience. Um, everybody's wearing masks. You all, you have to sit and pause, so everybody's very distant. So it's, it's been a really kind of, like I said, somber, kind of uncomfortable going to these games because it's a constant reminder things aren't normal. Um, there's not a lot of energy in the stadium, and I know a lot of people have been dying to to go to games, they say, no matter what you have to do when you get there. Um, but it's really highlighted to me, frankly, how much sports is a social experience, um, how much feed off of the crowd's energy and, and how fun it is. Uh, but it's, it's definitely been different this year in terms of that. Yeah, it, it, the whole thing's kind of just 
bizarre. But but the good news, I mean, I heard tech, the Texas governor recently basically just opened up all businesses a hundred percent. Is that right? I mean, we're I know the show's not on COVID, but that must impact you guys a little bit on campus. Uh, so yeah, but that is going into effect on Wednesday, next uh, Wednesday. But our president at Sam Houston State has uh, made the decision, at least at this point, to keep all protocols in place as they were um, for the foreseeable future. Because with the governor's mandate, he said, you know, I'm not requiring things anymore, but I'll leave it up to the different schools and businesses and whatever else. So it'll be unique. Um, I know a lot of these bigger schools, especially A&M, Texas, probably are are rearing to go as soon as they can get into everybody they can in the stadium, um, just because that's how that's how they get a lot of their revenue. Um, at Sam Houston, fortunately for us, I say fortunately, but we're in a little bit of a different spot because we, of course, want to sell tickets, but anytime at an FCS school, the bigger thing generally is going to be student fees, subsidies, whatever else. Uh-huh. So like I said, for now, our, our, our president at our school has made the decision just to kind of status quo of how we have to Yeah. Does that, is, does that also – are you guys just doing the 25% for your basketball games as well? We have been, yeah, yeah. And the, the interesting thing is, so we have a pretty big stadium for uh, basketball and the volleyball shares. The the bigger problem has been we're actually a very good baseball softball school right. as well. And when you get to twenty five percent capacity, the other day we had some issues because you know once we gave the the players their tickets to bring their families, um, we had twenty five general admission tickets left. And they sold out in 15 minutes. So that, especially those uh, smaller sports with small stadiums, once you get to 25%, that's about 100 people. That's all you're looking at. Yeah, that's it, it's crazy times right now. You know, I speaking of you called it spring camp, spring bank camp, or you know, spring ball. They used to call it at USC. You know the. FBS had certain rules, you know, you could, as you probably know, you know, you could have a certain number of uh, practices. There was an acclimatization period where you had to wear like basically t-shirt and helmets, the first couple of practices, then you could go to shoulder pads or what they called shells. And then you could have full padded on your fifth one. That was at the earliest you could do it. That way kids don't go straight to hitting people right away. And there was only three scrimmages that you could have. There was Pac-12 rules on it and FBS rules on it. And it was pretty complex. And we would map out this kind of calendar and then everybody would operate off that. Uh, are the rules similar in the FCS or or do you know, or, or how does that work with-, with Yeah, something? yeah, we have almost exactly the same thing. Every, everything you laid out of the five-day acclimatization, um, when you can start editing, and then they have, the whole rule is about 25 practices in 29 days, and the other days you you can't do anything but a walkthrough or, or whatever else. And so, yeah, it is kind of a – we had a Excel sheet with a football director, and we had to lay out exactly every practice we're going to actually pop pads when we're not, all of that stuff. It's a, kind of a, a – it's a lot of work, like you mentioned. Yeah, I, yeah, it was a whole thing. We'd have their director of ops, uh, USC Joseph Wood, and we'd kind of work together and, and map it all out and make sure we're not missing one little wrinkle. But then there, you know, the walkthrough, could you have a ball? Are you guys allowed to have a ball with the walkthrough? We are now. That's actually kind of 
funny because they they used to not allow the ball, and then the NCAA was going to pass it as non-controversial uh, legislation, and then the the American Football Coaches Association said, no, it it actually is controversial because. Anytime there's a football there, it's no longer going to be a quote-unquote walkthrough. Um, we're going to put wide receivers and, and quarterbacks out there, and I promise you they will not what I would consider walk. Um, you know, I'm a 35-year-old man, and my walking is much different than what the kids consider walking. So, yeah, they, <laughs> they allow footballs now. Well, and it was crazy because I, I remember people used to roll up towels and say, hey, we don't have a football let's hold this rolled up towel or let's have this, like they always wanted to have something in their hands that they could hand off and this and that. It was, it was a whole thing, you know, like uh, it, programs would go whatever distance they could to like maximize every rule. And it was so funny with, with that, but that's good. That's a common sense thing. I think have the football do a walkthrough. They can go through some motions and, and that way I get that it makes sense. Cause you want to visualize who has the ball during the play, who's doing what. And I, it makes sense to coaches, right? They always want to do the most possible, but um, how do you, how do you guys uh, get out there and, and monitor? Do you have time to just watch some practice? Is it um, anything like that? Yeah. So I, I, uh, my, the head of our, our department, the head of student athletes, academic services, is academics and compliance, eligibility, all that stuff. She always encourages us to go, and so I try to make at least a, a few practices in each sport. But I also tell her that the quickest way to make coaches not like you is to go uh, watch them practice. Because even when they're not doing anything wrong, it's like uh, if you're driving on the freeway and you're going to speed limit and you see the cop there, the first thing you do is pump your brakes, <laughs> so now you're going even slower than the speed limit. Yeah. Uh, so I, I try to tell her, like, look, I, I'm me personally, I'm, I'm really big on educating coaches. And, you know, after that, if they break rules, well, it's because they are intentionally doing it rather than just out of uh, ignorance, I guess. Yeah, it was interesting. When I was at Oregon State, it was it was almost exactly that. You know, I'd get over there a little bit here and there. We had a staff of three. I mean, you only have so much time in so many sports. USC, we had such a, you know, staff of 10 or 12. And so we would basically be at every single football practice. But the good news about that, I guess, is since they got used to it, where they were like, you just have cops every five feet. So I'm going to then, I'm going to go back. But I know right now, I mean, when I drive on the freeway, I know Spencer does this too. You know, you're going 115 miles an hour. And then you see that cop and you're down to 30 in a 65, right? Absolutely. Right. absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you're screeching, your coffee's falling over and, and you know, the cop's seeing that you're not getting away with anything Spence, but, but uh, I know. Yeah. I haven't had a ticket in years. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's a funny, spring ball is going to be uh, our spring camp. That's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, you know, what are the transfer rules for you guys? I've been wondering that if somebody, can they just, put their name into the transfer portal or how does that work for you guys? Yeah. So we're, we're the, we're division one. So that's kind of unique is that it's the only uh, football is the only division one sport that has two, two divisions, two divisions essentially in the same division. Uh, so for us right now, uh, all our student athletes have to do is say, Hey, uh, I want to transfer, put my name in the portal. And we have 48 hours to put them in the portal. Um, but what has happened in previous years is, especially here, 
our coach was really big on on getting transfers, especially four four transfers from FBS programs. And a lot of these kids at FBS programs would transfer to us because as an FCS school, they could play right away. Um, but with the new transfer rules, I don't foresee us getting as many FBS transfers anymore because theoretically they'll be able to just transfer to another FBS and not have to sit. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So that could hurt FCS schools in a sense of getting maybe a cherry picking some some talent here and there, and the talent might stay in the FBS. Not to say there's no talent in the FCS, but they're just maybe not going to cross pollinate as much, um, which could could impact the FCS a little bit. Hmm. You know what are the so are your coaches? Um, what are your so if you guys play now, is there a thought that you would play again in the fall? Yeah, that's the plan. Jeez. With no alterations, even really, that we're going to play again starting in September. How many games are you guys playing in the spring? So we're playing a full six-game schedule for a conference. But then, uh, you know, we're hopefully anyway going to be good if, if we make the, you know, the national championship, which we, we have a few times or come very close other years as well. We're looking at, I think, nine to ten games, and then we'll go play a, a full 11-game schedule before playoffs in fall 21 as well. That's 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 a lot of that's a lot of football, huh? With with a summer break yeah. in between, it's a lot of ball, man. You know, and what, what's your guys' recruiting footprint like? Is it mostly Texas? Do you guys branch out and kind of get in some Colorado kids and Oklahoma in the South a little bit? Yeah, so we. We do recruit a lot of Texas uh, for a long time, and we're, we're kind of cutting down this pipeline more and more. We actually would uh, venture into California JUCOs a lot. Um, and, you know, I know there's a lot of talent in California, but the problem with that is uh, California's transfer credits are a mess. Uh, you know, California is just its own entity over there. They, they do their own thing, and doesn't seem like anything uh, school-wise or maybe licensure-wise in other fields. Transfers really easy out of California. Um, so we pleaded for years with our coaches to, to shut down that pipeline a little bit more uh, at all possible. Um, but, yeah, so um, obviously Texas is a great football state. So that's our big hope is they stay around here as much as possible. It's awesome. And then uh, you guys, uh, you, I, I, the, I think the Southland uh, basketball tournament is right around the corner, and you guys have had a, a heck of a year with basketball. Um, I see you're sitting number two in the Southland Conference. When does the tournament start? So it starts next weekend, and it's, it's going to be kind of unique because I don't know if you all have heard this, but we're actually going to be a WAC school starting in uh, August. Oh, awesome. Uh, which is kind of a unique experience for me because I, I grew up watching my grandpa's teams in the WAC for right. all, you know, for so many years. And the logo looks almost exactly the same. Um, so we're going to try to go win this last Southland Conference and then go try to win the WAC next year. Are you guys moving all your all your sports into the WAC? We are, yeah. And I, a big consideration of it is uh, for football – you know, we are going to attempt to go FBS in the near future. Um, and the WAC has not played football since, I believe, 2012. Right. But a reason they were appealing is because in their original charter, they're an FBS school, uh, FBS football conference, and they won't have to reclassify. Um, 
So more and more, a lot of the teams they're adding to the WAC are football schools, and they're going to attempt in the near future to become an FBS program or an FBS conference. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the, WAC, the WAC has been dominated for basketball for a long time with uh, New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. So you guys got, you got mm-hmm. you have the Aggies that are going to be coming at you. But you also have UVUs in the WAC, and you've got Seattle. You've got some really good, got some really good basketball programs in that, in that conference. And, yeah, you're right. There, there are a lot of kind of, um, you know, uh, football programs that are associated with the WAC, Idaho, for example, that, that they could turn around and, and maybe field the FBS conference. That'd be, that'd be cool. I, I, I will be watching that. That's going to be exciting for you guys. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool. And, and like you said, uh, I think the, the first thing, you know, the, the revenue force is it's already a pretty good top-heavy basketball conference. And hope is with us and the SFA and uh, Abilene Christian and the, the Lamar that when we get there, it'll become an even better basketball conference. And you can even make it so that if you don't win your conference tournament, you still have a chance to have large team. Oh, oh. Uh, because, because for a school like us, March Madness is where – we get a lot of the revenue uh, just from the kickback from the NCAA. So being in a good basketball conference is important to a school like us. So did you say, so if I heard you right, it sounds like Lamar, Stephen F. Austin, you guys, and there was one other school that you guys are all going over to the WAC? Yeah, so Abilene Christian oh, as Abilene. well. And then um, there's uh, Southern, or Southern Utah, is going to the WAC as well, and so is Dixie State up oh, there in Utah. Right. Um, okay. So we're all kind of coming at the same time. Yeah, and Dixie State's trying to go into F- FBS for football as well. So that that's another school that you guys are that are probably that's probably going to join you guys in that uh, in that job. That's good. That's exciting. Oh, the WAC's going to be a power conference now, huh? The return of the WAC. Uh, that'd be nice. Be nice for all of us. Yeah, because his his grandpa. Do you remember his grandpa yeah. was Lavelle Edwards? That's right. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, yeah, absolutely. The WAC was. I grew up watching those games too. Uh, you know, uh, uh, cheering the Cougs on for sure. And uh, yeah, the WAC, the WAC was a. I mean, the WAC was a fun football conference for years. I mean, they they basically kind of invented the air raid offense. I mean, that that all came from the WAC. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's a, that's exciting. I'm excited. I'm pumped for you guys. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think I feel like, you know, that that could be the the stepping stone to Sam Houston State becoming a power. Maybe they're going to be a UCF one day or something like yeah. that. I could see that. I could see that. And in the Houston area, I mean, that's yeah, a ton of talent there. Yeah, or Houston. Right, right. You know, like that type of school where you got some legit talent. You you guys have to obviously learn a few new rules, right? For the for the whack. I mean, I know the the whack is a lawless society, but they must have some some uh, some conference specific rules that you have to get familiar with by August. Yeah, and that's, fortunately for us, that's not a a huge thing. It's more of who do, who we report to. There's a you know Southland Conference that we're now has a few unique rules about you know, uh, transferring within the conference, for example. Uh, but fortunately, it's not too bad that way. It's just more of the process of if you get a violation or something like that, you know, who you're reporting to at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the whole thing is 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 fun. I, I love when it's moving up, right? You're not moving down. You're not moving, you know, you guys are advancing. How many, you know, again, you have one other person in compliance. Is that right? What was that, sir? 
You have one other person beside yourself in your compliance office. Is that right? Yeah. So basically it's, it's me for all 17 sports. Um, my, my direct supervisor, he does the compliance stuff uh, with me, but his main job is eligibility certification. And then my coworker and friend, Josh, he does uh, mostly academic stuff. But on the day-to-day nitty-gritty stuff, it's pretty much just me that does all the care logs, all the recruiting, um, all of that other fun stuff for 17 sports. So it's a, it's a lot of work, it's, which is good because I've got a lot of mental energy for now to, to kind of have my hand in all those different spots. That's awesome, man. You must be getting text messages from coaches. I mean, I've been there, right? I mean, that's they come in late at night, evenings, weekends. Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll be hey, we'll be cheering on the Bearcats for uh, for the Southland Conference in football and in basketball here in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, you guys can make a run, get into the tournament. That'd be exciting. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, hopefully, we get there in uh, baseball, get the college world series and softball and. And golf and tennis, and uh, we just finished track and field, soccer. We're playing all 17 of the sports this spring, so it's uh, it'd be great to get 17 championships in the spring. I don't know if that can happen, but it'd be pretty awesome. I don't think it's ever been done. Yeah, let's let's let let's have Sam Houston yeah. State be the first. That'd be awesome. Ever, yeah, I love it. Oh uh, yeah, that'd be great for all of us. Well, hey, Dylan, thanks a lot for your time today and uh, for your staying late on a Friday night. And glad that things are kind of calming down for you guys weather-wise there in Texas. And sounds like they're picking up with sports. So we'll be we'll be watching and we'll be cheering you guys on. Oh, I really appreciate it. See you, Mocast. Appreciate it. <laughs> See you, Dylan. Right. Bye. All right, thanks. Another spectacular conversation with a friend of the show. I love having I love having repeat guests on because it really, you know, you, you, we have a little bit more of a of a camaraderie with them, right? Yeah, you get some history. You don't have to be as awkward. You know, it's like having a friend over that you've had a couple of times over. You know, and and yeah, I've had him on the show now twice. We've had a few other people three or four times and a couple times. And uh, you know, that's someone that works in compliance at Sam Houston State in Texas and. Uh, has some good insight on the FCS style. FCS football. style, but they're gonna they're gonna try to make the jump up to FBS. And what do you think about that? I mean, being in a being in the Houston suburb, I mean, you know, they're about an hour outside of Houston. They could turn into a powerhouse, you know, if they, if they if they play their cards right, right? Yeah, they're in the hotbed of recruiting, and that's what you really want. If you think about it, I watched a graph uh, the other day. I looked at a graph, and it talked about the schools that have won a national championship in the last like 25 years. And it was California, I was talking about USC, Texas, and then a few off in the South. And that was it. And, and I think maybe one in Ohio or something like that. But there was like pretty much these hotbeds of recruiting are who wins the national championships because that's where all the talent is. It's really hard to win national championships if you can't consistently tap into talent. Right. And so, yeah, it's smart if you play in Houston to try to get to an FBS, which is like, Football bowl subdivision, right? And FCS full f- football championship. It's usually like a division one, division two. It's not. They're both division one, but it's sort of like that. FCS is just a step lower than FBS. You know, the Ducks are in FBS and the Ducks will schedule three home games against FCS because they're weak. I'm just kidding, but they do do that. But uh, but USC doesn't. USC, does, I, I, I'm going to plug USC, Notre Dame, and UCLA are the only three schools that have never scheduled an FCS opponent. Right. Um, and, uh, anyways, yeah, so it's, it was a good conversation. I like how he, he monitors and some of the rules and that we learned that they're going to transition to the whack. The whack. Yeah. That's big news. Return of the whack. That's right. It'll be fun. 
All right. So this week, you know, last week I I, I went uh, I went two and two and two again. You yeah. know, it's it's pretty common for me. Yeah. But you know, because the FCS is is back playing games, I thought I'd throw some games back at you just to see if your hot streak continues with regards to your uh, your picks. Okay. So you're gonna do some picks with basketball with me. I'll probably go two and two. And we'll see if you go four and zero again this week. If you go four and zero this week, and you don't know anything about these teams, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, you know, I'll praise you. Know, you, you get all the praise you deserve. Okay. <laughs> all so right. you want to so do? You want to do basketball first or football first? Let's do football. All right. All right. So first, we're gonna start out in the Northeast. We've got the Maine Black Bears at the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. Delaware is two and a half favorites. It's this is Saturday morning, nine a.m. Who do you got in that game? Maine or Delaware? Who's the home team? Delaware. Delaware's going to win. Delaware. Big? They will win by 10. Okay. But right. the home team generally wins in FCS schools. I don't know why that is, right. but it's it's true. The next game I'm going to highlight is the William & Mary Tribe versus the Richmond Spiders. Richmond is three and a half point favorites. This is at Richmond. Richmond wins. Okay. All right. Let's go to uh, – this is a, a friend of the show here, Western Carolina. Uh, VMI, the Keydets versus the Western Carolina Catamounts. This is at Western Carolina, but VMI is eight an eight and a half point favorite. Yeah, VMI is going to run away with that. Okay, all right. Uh, and then our last game of the uh, of the to pick here, um, we'll go with how about the Illinois Illinois State, the Redbirds. At University of Northern Northern Iowa, the Panthers, UNI, they're eight point favorites. Who do you got in that game? You got UNI. Okay, so you you went you went home except for one. One. You went against Western Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll see. So West. Uh, so we'll. I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on those games on Saturday. I bet you I go at least three and one. All right. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. All right, what do you got for me for basketball? Are you ready? I got some tournament games. Okay. You have to pick. It's going to be tough. Um, I feel like this is going to be really hard for you, Spence, and I'm sorry. Are you ready? You're not sorry. Number three, Sacred Heart in the Northeast Conference Tournament. Number three, Sacred Heart against number two, Bryant. All right. I'm going to go with the Bryant Bulldogs in that one. Just straight chalk. Okay. All right. How about let's go number 17, Oklahoma State at number six, West Virginia. At, at West Virginia? What, do you know what the spread is? Um, I always give you the spread. Yes, I don't like doing that for you because uh, I feel like you already know. You already okay. are studying it. I'm going to say West Virginia. West Virginia just had a, okay. a, 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 a tough overtime loss to Baylor. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to come in guns a-blazing and they're going to beat West and they're going to beat uh, uh, Oklahoma State. Okay. Number four, Illinois at number seven, Ohio State. Yeah, I knew you were going to pick this one. <laughs> Illinois is playing some of the best basketball. They're they're inching their way up and probably going to be a one seed. They're not going to take Ohio State lightly. I think I think it, it, I think Illinois wins that game. Illinois over Ohio State. And finally, number nineteen, USC at UCLA. Oh gosh, this is a tough one because. Both teams are a little bit reeling right now. Mm -hmm. Both teams have had some bad losses. Mm -hmm. um, it's at UCLA. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I I, I want to say USC wins this one. Okay. USC right. wins this one. I like to hear that. Yeah. So now, if you if you know Spence, if USC beats UCLA, and Oregon's playing at Oregon State, yeah, big game. 
big game. If, if Oregon loses, which they could, Oregon State's won five out of six, I think. Right. And Oregon loses and USC wins, USC wins the Pac-12. All right, fingers crossed. Otherwise, it's Oregon. So it's going to be Oregon or USC that are going to win the Pac-12. So we're going to find out. How's BYU looking? BYU's looking good. We got the we have the the, the WCC tournament starting right now, uh, and BYU is the number two seed. They do it really interesting in the WCC where the one and the two seed get like three buys. They're automatically in the semifinal. Mm -hmm. Oh, and so we would play the winner of Pepperdine versus whoever they play, which we won't know until you know Saturday night. Yeah, so, okay. it'll be interesting. So it, it, it you know I think BYU is you know solidly in the tournament. We get one win against, you know, a Pepperdine or a St. Mary's or someone like that, and then we have a good shot at, you know, then we play Gonzaga again. We'll see how that goes. So if you win one in the tournament and then lose to Gonzaga, let's say, yeah. where do you get seeded? We're going to be a seven seed. We're going to be seven, eight, nine seed. I think that's probably where we're going to be. Okay. Uh, if we beat Gonzaga, we could sneak up to a six, but I don't think that's going to happen. If USC loses to UCLA, finishes second in the conference, and wins one game in the Pac-12 and then out. Where do you see him getting seated? I think USC will be a six if that happens. Six. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll drop off that five line and go to a six, maybe even a seven. Yeah. Okay. So five, six, or seven. Five, for six, USC. or seven. Yeah. They're that. But you know, still to this day, their best win is against BYU on a yeah. neutral field. And when they neutral come to play, field. they they come to play. They do, and they're very good. And uh, you know, but they seem to kind of take. Take games off, off. Take yeah. games off a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah. So we'll find out. We'll get inconsistent, but we'll find out. I'm All right. excited. All right, go Cougs. And fight on. That's right. Fight on. <laughs> All right, stay, stay safe out there.